Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 14. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 14, Episode 8. I say this each and every time, but God knows it's the truth. This season has flown by. And I can't believe that next week we're already at our penultimate episode for the season. And believe me, both the penultimate and the season finale are most certainly not to be missed. However, that's not to underplay today's episode. But today's episode is more of an episode that will leave you thinking, as opposed to leave you terrified. Now, don't get me wrong, there are many terrifying elements to this tale. But amongst a plethora of paranormal things happening within this experience, we touch on one we very rarely touch on on the dark paranormal. That of precognition. Precognition, of course, being the ability to see the future before it takes place. Very literally an extrasensory perception. Now, many people will say it doesn't exist. It's not a function a human being can do. But current scientific testing has proven otherwise to a point. One recent experiment carried out by a team of scientists they wired up some volunteers to machines to monitor their heart rate, sweat glands, basically a panic response. They then sat them in front of a TV screen and randomly displayed a series of images. They were majorly nice images, but occasionally they would throw in something horrific. Someone hanging, a snake, a death. Interestingly, when they looked at the data... All of the vital signs which signal panic or the flight and fight response began to rise milliseconds before the image was shown on the screen. Now the only way that's possible is that the body knew it was about to face something horrific. This fringe science idea first started forming around the 1960s and in 1966 there was an actual premonition bureau formed by a team of psychiatrists. The bureau was formed by psychiatrist John Barker after the awful disaster in the mining town of Aberfan in Wales. These huge black mountains which would surround a mine were called colliery spoil tips and basically held the rubble, the mud, the rocks of everything that was not needed within the mine. However, they grew to literal mountainous proportions. And on the 21st of October 1966, 
due to a build-up of heavy rain, the mountain began to collapse inward, causing a sudden slide downhill of a massive wave of rubble. And directly in the path of that rubble was a children's school. Such was the size of the wave of rubble, it completely covered the school, killing 116 children and 28 adults. It was a 10-year-old girl named Errol who inspired the creation of the Premonition Bureau. It turns out in early October, she pulled her mother's sleeve and said, Mummy, I'm not afraid to die. Her mother brushed it off. October the 20th came around and Errol woke up after having a memorable dream. Mum, Mum, let me tell you about my dream last night. I went to school and there was no school there. Something black had come down all over it. The very next day, young ten-year-old Errol headed to school and the coal tip collapsed, killing hundreds of children, including Errol. Some people apparently have this gift, and today's experiencer is one of them. Now, before we move on to episode 8, I need to, of course, thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. But before I do so, I need to give a quick shout-out to one of our listeners, Alyssa. Alyssa rightly pointed out that I often say if you're not interested in the intro or Patreon names and want to jump right to the experience, skip ahead to five minutes. She pointed out with adverts, etc., it can be up to seven minutes. So thank you very much, Alyssa. And today's one, with the full explanation given at the beginning, may even be a little longer. So let's just stick a pin in it and say... Anywhere between five and eight minutes in, you should find the main experience. But back to our wonderful team at Patreon. What do you get when you sign up to Patreon? Well, not only do you receive every single episode that we release on the main feed, both early and ad-free, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites releases each and every Sunday of the year, even on the downtime between seasons. And with a break in seasons coming up, it means you don't miss your paranormal fix. But the best thing, in my opinion, is the community. We've built a wonderful, non-judgmental, safe space of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon. And we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like the following wonderful new team members have Alejandra Johnson, K Not a C, Goofy Luffy 5, Duard Duard, Julia Beath, Grace Miaham, Bobby Scully, Mario, Bob Bitchin, Emma M. Del Foss, Amanda Denning, Mackenzie Hitchcock, Liz Bridwell, Sabrina Perry, Charlotte Hawkins, Michelle Taylor, Ursa, NATM, Amy Naomi, K, Annie Edwards, Tina Durham, Maria Rathel, Cortina Petrucci, Kai Evenbarrow, Philip Birchall, Jasmine Garcia, Emily, Nancy O, and This Is Winning. Thank you so much, guys. Your support truly means the world. And if you'd like early access to all of our shows, ad-free, and of course, access to the Dark Bites only... 
Thank you so much, guys. Your support truly means the world. And if you'd like early ad-free access to all of our shows and, of course, access to over 50 hours of Patreon-only Dark Bites episodes, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, it's time. Lower the lights. Make yourself comfortable and, of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about The Walnut House. Hello, Kevin and the Dark Paranormal family. My name is Brandy, and my story is difficult to understand. It consists of short background stories before we get to today. As a background, I grew up around Wiccan beliefs, whilst being raised as a Christian and Catholic. My mother was of Christian belief, and my stepfather was a Catholic. My grandfather David, on my mother's side, was Wiccan. The darker side of Wiccan. Well, growing up with all of these beliefs, you learn a lot. My sister and I would spend two weeks during each summer with Grandad David and Grandad R. Nearly every house they lived in had spirits. From the Victorian woman in the yellow dress who would wave at people on the street in Lexington, Missouri, to the blood-curdling scream from 130th Street in Olath, Kansas. There were also many dark shadows in that same Kansas home. But these are just to name a few. As a kid, the Lexington, Missouri house was different. The house was next to an old Baptist church, on a road full of old Victorian homes. The town itself is a Civil War town, and the courthouse still has a Civil War-era cannonball in it. The woman in yellow would wave at people on the street, and people would knock to ask who it was. Being a house of two men, Grandpa David would just smile and say she was a guest of his. Or he would just be funny and say it was only two of them who lived there, so they must be mistaken. Grandpa ended up living in Merriam, Kansas, near the end. He spent 20 years there. He would hold sessions to contact the other side, and on one of those sessions a grey mist appeared in the dining room, not far from where I was sitting. I was around 27 at this point, and as we went through this session, the mist slowly started to focus on me, speaking with me, and it allowed me to see his face. I described the man to my grandpa's, and we realised it was Grandpa David's brother, who passed away when Grandpa was young. When I was young, my mum and dad divorced, before getting with my stepfather, so we were bounced around a little. At one point we lived with her friend, Kay, and Kay's children. I don't remember much about our time with Kay. I just remember it wasn't pleasant. 
and we only stayed long enough to get us out of there. Kay or Kay's kids had taken a major connection part which Mum needed for the dishwasher. Without this part, we couldn't connect the dishwasher to the water supply. Anyway, my sister and I were taking a bath about six months later, and we just started playing with this weird thing we found in our bathtub. Well, this weird thing was the connection that was needed for the dishwasher. Mum's explanation was, Ghosty must have got it for her. Ghosty being someone she's had with her since her childhood. Ghosty, apparently, is a grey mist that is nice to her. I can only assume it's the same mist I saw. Grandpa David's brother. After coming of age, I moved out and moved to Phoenix. I still saw things, both in my dreams and in the physical world. You see, I have both sight and I'm also what's known as a seer. A seer means you have the power to divine the future and see past and present events through ESP, or extrasensory perception. By sight, I mean I can see the true form of any entity, shape-changer or creature concealed by illusion or transmutation magic if the creature is within 30 feet of me. As a seer, I saw the devastating hurricane Harvey. Harvey hit Houston, Texas in 2017. And I had a dream I can remember to this day about driving a vehicle, following a blue pickup truck with Texas tanks. I followed this truck for a while until we came to a stoplight. Suddenly, water was rushing down the three sides of the road and we couldn't get out. The water began coming into the vehicle, rising to the point where I drowned. I have this dream about two years before Harvey hit. But that same blue pickup truck I was following was on the news when the hurricane hit. I've also seen other things recently, like tornadoes in Kansas hitting my current town and moving across the state to Missouri and hitting near my grandmother. I told my mum about it, and she questioned me for a moment. I told her, I'm telling you now because you won't be able to get hold of me or grandma, but we'll be okay and safe. I have one more year to see if this comes true or not. When I was around 25 years old, I met a group of youths, young adults no older than 20. Most of them were borderline suicidal. Others just didn't have the drive to do anything but drugs and underage drinking. Well, one of the youths had sisters. The youngest of their sisters was 13 and had been dabbling with the Ouija board in a family basement. Things had gotten so bad there that the mother of this youth called me. 
personally, besides being told not to mess with Ouija boards, and, if foolish enough to do so, to always say goodbye no matter what, I never messed with them. Anyway, my friend's mum said toys would be thrown at her, and the washing machine would shake into the middle of the room. She would unplug it and run upstairs, but when she would go back down, it, unplugged, would start shaking again. I called my grandpa David to double-check my list of what I should do to help. I called her mum back, and we agreed I'd come over that following weekend. We went into the basement, got the Ouija board out, and closed and disposed of it. I saged the basement and placed a protection spell on the house and the family. I then told the 13-year-old to never dabble with the Ouija board again. Now, as far as I know, she hasn't. But she has made other questionable decisions. Forward to 2022, and I met my now wife, Mia, and her children, Danny and Darla. I was living just outside McPherson, Kansas, in a small town. The first thing I saw, supernatural-wise, was what I believe to be a Wendigo. A Wendigo being a being with the ability to possess humans, turning them into cannibals. My nephew was spending a week with me, and he saw it too, against the front door on the porch. He made sure to confirm with me what it looked like, and also confirmed that I should keep his bedroom door open for him, along with the TV on. I think he watched How to Train Your Dragon ten times. It made him comfortable for that week that he spent with me. The night Mia and the kids moved in, Danny saw the same thing against the same window. Now, I didn't tell Mia about it before she moved in, so there was no way for Danny to know about it, or to describe it the way he did. Besides that, we didn't see anything. Mia had just finalised her divorce, and as part of that settlement, she got the Walnut House in the divorce. Now, it was a nice, open-concept, three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath, with a backyard and a small garage right next door to a local hospital. A large amount of living space, too. Two bedrooms and full bath on the main floor, an attic bedroom with a half-bath upstairs, and a nice open stairway. The house was built in the early 1900s. A half-stone-wall basement, half-crawl space, too. A couple had bought it, and began changing the floor plan around 2015, before realising there were foundation problems. What should have been a nice house was in fact very run down, and it also felt very strange. Mia's ex was supposed to move his things and hand us the keys on the 1st of December 2022. We were in town having dinner, when we got the text that he'd put the keys in the mailbox. So we stopped by the house to check it out, before going back to my home. Mia walked in first and looked around. 
she came out a few minutes later and said I could go in, adding, at my own risk. I went up the front porch for the first time and stopped at the front door. It was dark outside, yes, but something felt off. I felt like I was being watched by the house as I walked up. Even with the lights being on, the inside of the house was still dark. I opened the front door and stood in the threshold for a moment. I stepped inside and I felt the temperature drop. I walked around the open space and checked out the rooms before stepping into the kitchen. When I turned back to the front door, I saw a shadow. It was in the front bedroom. Well, doing my best to ignore it, I turned off all the lights, locked the door and stepped outside. But when I stepped outside, I felt extremely ill. So much so, we had to stop at a nearby gas station for me to vomit. You could say it was food poisoning or nerves, but both Mia and I felt the same effects and had the same reaction. However, the kids didn't feel sick at all. Mia and I went back the next day after dropping the kids at school. It was light outside, but the house still felt dark. Like what sun would go through the windows didn't touch them. And you still felt like you were being watched as you walked up. We looked around and saw lots of issues that were not listed in the divorce. We called a handyman to fix a few of them, but he pointed out more issues in the basement. Overall, it was going to cost us around 55 k to fix a 48 k house. An amount a workman's compensation paycheck and a grocery stacker couldn't afford. So, we moved in without getting a lot of the things fixed mostly due to not being able to afford both houses. But mine was a rental and the lease was up, and so we moved in. Our animals came over last, three dogs and two cats. After giving back my keys for the rental, we had three days of hot water before the water heater went out. She texted her ex, Brian, and his response was, Oh, just wiggle the breaker some and it'll start again. My question was, why did it trip to begin with? Well, when we went to investigate, we realised the lower half was rusted out. And that was going to be another $700 for a new one, plus installation. So yeah, we needed a lot of money we just didn't have. I got sent back to work whilst awaiting surgery. Mia worked first shift and the kids went to school during the day. I worked second shift and while working, Mia would sleep on the couch until I woke her. She felt uncomfortable in the house, even more so when she was alone. But it was what Darla experienced that made me realise... 
things were beginning to escalate. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. One particular night, I'd come home from work and saw something. Something that was crawling on Darla's wall as I was walking up to the house. Now, the best way to describe this thing was a crawler. It had long black hair, a pale white face, and bloodshot eyes. It was dressed in a dress with long sleeves, and its joints moved differently. Like the elbows would bend, but bend backwards, and the fingers were long and pointy. Well, I wanted to get Darla out of that room, but she was asleep. In truth, I was pretty tired myself, so trying to be rational, I figured I could have been seeing things. I woke Mia, and she couldn't see it, so I brushed it off. We went upstairs and went to bed. That night, I had a seer dream. In it, I was in front of the TV building a tall bookshelf. The kids were at a small table next to me watching TV and playing. I went to pick up the built bookshelf and it fell apart. 
I got really angry and threw the rest down as hard as I could. Are you fucking kidding me? I yelled before picking it up and throwing it again. I want to say I'm not a violent person, especially around kids. I have lots of patience, and it was an action I would never have done. I woke up from the dream and Mia had left for work. I got up and took the kids to school, keeping the dream in the back of my mind. But it shook me, and I tried not to show it. Yet later I told Mia all about it, and she turned pale. Her eyes got wide. She looked away from me and explained that Brian, her ex, had done that very same thing in the house when the kids were young. Darla wasn't even out of diapers, but verbatim he'd said those exact same words. More time went on, and one day everyone was at work or school. The sun was shining and I was trying to sleep. Our cat, Olive, makes a distinct purr-meow sound when someone wakes him up. While I was trying to sleep, he was near the foot of the bed sleeping, and he made that sound. I pulled the blankets from my head and sat up to look at him, and he was looking back at me as if to say, what just touched me? We both settled down, and a few minutes later, he made the sound again. I popped up and looked at him, and I watched as his fur moved like someone had stroked him. He freaked out and ran down the steps, leaving me with something I couldn't see. Having sight, it's not often I run into things I can't see. I took in a deep breath before attempting to sleep again. Sometime after that, I was sleeping next to Mia. She was already asleep and curled into a ball, so I was the big spoon. I was laying there, still awake, just holding her for a bit. I hadn't really seen her all that much due to our conflicting work schedules. The next thing I know, I felt strange. A spidey sense, a a good feeling, if you will. Shortly after that, I felt something slip off the top of my foot. The best way to describe the feeling was like someone's hand sliding off the foot, fingers and all. It moved very slowly and the fingers were very long and distinct. I popped up and looked near the end of the bed and nothing was there. Well, I pulled my feet up closer, and I too slept in a ball that night. My next seer dream, I was sitting outside on the front step with a woman that was not Mia. She was, in my opinion, not my type at all. I was talking to her, and started making out with her, before Mia showed up yelling. Now, At this point in our relationship, I knew I was in love with Mia. But in this dream, I hated her. 
I yelled back at her. I called her a whore and told her I hoped she would die. How she needs to get out of my life because she was nothing but a damn whore to begin with. My own words pissed me off. My own heart was screaming at me. My own mind was telling me that I would never say something like this. The pain I felt from my own words was actually what woke me up. Not long after, the alarm went off to get the kids up for school. Mia was off that day, so she went with me. Our usual thing is to get into the car and we quickly hold hands after setting off. But this time, we got into that car and I wanted to be as far away from her as possible. I didn't want her aura to touch me. The amount of animosity I still felt after that dream was horrible. Mia noticed something was wrong and questioned me after we dropped off the kids. But I couldn't answer her. I drove to our favourite coffee shop and ordered our usual coffee. I pulled into a local park just to stay away from the house. It seemed the further away from the house we got, the clearer my head became. I was finally able to hold her hand. She was looking at me funny. She watched as my demeanour changed, and I finally told her about my dream and how I didn't want to touch her. She gasped and said that one happened too. Brian had kissed her best friend at the time while she was taking care of the kids inside. Again, the words used were identical. It was around this point, sat in that park, we decided we needed to move. Darla had now started talking to the crawler in her room. At one time, Danny was asleep and Darla was talking in her room. But the odd part about it is she was answering in her voice, but not her tone of voice. There were times she would be in the middle of the room and we would tell her to leave her bedroom door open and it would slam shut right in front of us. Darla just looked at us and said, I didn't do it. Each night we heard her talk to the crawler more and more. We opened the door one night and there it was. It was on her ceiling. Darla was looking up at it while she spoke. At the end of December, I lost my aunt to cancer. Whilst at her funeral, I found out that it was family only at the grounds. We drove in the line, got to the grounds and the wind started to pick up. Everyone got out and stood in their little family group. There was about 25 to 30 people altogether, all in 5 to 6 people per family. My gran, mum, stepfather and I were in one group. As we were getting blown around by the wind, mum and gran made the comment that my aunt was talking about seeing her deceased father. 
great-uncle Dan, and how she didn't want a big show at her funeral. About 45 minutes of being blown around, my cousin, her son, decided to call it and see her off without the big show. Everyone hugged and climbed in our cars. As we were leaving, the wind stopped. My cousin, her son, got out of his truck and immediately the wind picked up again. I made it home five hours away and found Mia and the kids sleeping on the couch with all the lights in the house on. Well, most of the lights were blown out, so the house was far from illuminated. Danny and Darla were left on the couch and Mia and I went back up to bed. With the stairway lights on and me going first up the stairs, I glanced up and saw a black mass in the corner. I stopped hoping my sight would take over. But it never did. It stayed as a black mass. Mia just shrugged and said that is Whistler. Apparently a ghosty of her own. And he was apparently mostly friendly. At the beginning of January, I lost Grandpa David to old age. My mum had him cremated, and we were going to do something at a later date. But with all the issues going on in the house, along with the haunting of what we could tell consisted of two crawlers, a shadow man, an old man, a whistler, and a poltergeist. To say we needed help would be an understatement. And with my go-to guide being recently dead... I had to reach out to a spiritual store in the next town. The owner of the store got back to me with a number of different paranormal groups, but after reaching out multiple times in different ways, I never heard a thing back. It was time to start figuring out how to get out on our own. Danny also had some issues but wouldn't talk about them much. He was afraid of the old man in his closet and how he would play with the only light Danny had in his room. Even my old dog would randomly start barking at nothing. Other unpleasant but very human things happened besides haunted stuff in that house. What with his dad and his dad's new girlfriend. Danny and Darla survived but with a lot of trauma. Danny and I were on the couch watching TV one day when I watched Brian stomp through the house from the kitchen to Danny's room. I literally felt the floor shake and looked at Danny. He was oblivious. He said he never saw or heard anything. But he also said of a night, if he closed his bedroom door, the door would rattle until it opened by itself. It was the bathroom downstairs that was the one I avoided unless I could have the door open, because it would rattle on me. Not like someone grabbing the handle and shaking a locked door, 
but like someone beating on the door as hard as possible. I never shut that bathroom door. I felt like I would be locked in. The energy throughout the house only got worse the longer we stayed. Stomping happened more times through the week. Doors randomly closing, lights going out, growls from every room. We felt different when we'd go outside. So on warm days, that's where we were. Besides everything going on in the house with the haunting, there was more. Because of the shape Brian left the house, the backyard had a hole in the fence. So we had to put our dogs on lines so they couldn't get out of the yard. They were indoor-outdoor dogs, so having them on lines to play and go potty didn't seem like a bad thing. Well, the neighbour's son would constantly call the cops on the alleged horrible conditions the dogs were in. After nothing happened with these calls, all of a sudden, the line somehow got cut. Not snapped, not stripped, but cut. Our puppy was picked up by the animal control and we signed him over to be rehomed. Our other dog was found around the corner and returned to us. We put out a new line for him, which lasted a week before it was cut again. With everything going on and my surgery coming up, we had to sign him over too. Both dogs got rehomed within a few weeks, as they were very friendly with kids, cats and other dogs. We'd lived in the house from December to the end of March. In that time, we had all of these events happen and more. Auntie Joe helped us move some things. Auntie Joe is a Christian. She doesn't Bible thump you, but if you ask, she will speak about it. I have my beliefs and you have yours. That doesn't mean we can't be friends. This is what she'll tell you if you get snippy with her beliefs or you try and push yours on her. Anyway, she was helping move things down from upstairs. She'd been up and down a few times, but the last was her last. She ran down the steps with what she had and right out of the door. Mia came down not really knowing what happened. She went outside and had a cigarette with a clearly disturbed Aunt Joe. I get the feeling Joe was either touched or pushed. She never went back upstairs. Instead, she would stand at the first step, but never any further up. She was supposed to help us move throughout that week, but she ended up sending her eldest son, Bobby, over instead with a truck and a trailer. Bobby called another friend of his, and the boys moved us out of that house in an hour. Bobby quickly got everything down the steps first. But I am convinced he had his own experience with his friend, but neither would speak about it. Yet, hearing them saying prayers as they walked around the house was a big enough sign for me. Some things we left. Even now, nearly a year later, Bobby will say it's a blessing that we survived the Walnut House. 
we got lucky that Brian didn't do what the judge ordered. The ruling was to sign a quitclaim deed, and we had six months to refinance. But he didn't do so, so the house was still on him. We paid under his name for the months we lived there. From what I know, he pulled bankruptcy. We moved into an apartment and I had my surgery. We've lived in this apartment now for around 10 months. Everything that would fit in the new apartment is in it. Some outdoor stuff got taken to Auntie Joe's house. For the first few weeks, things were going well. Then I had another seer dream about the old house. I was stomping around mad, slamming things, yelling at what I could tell was nothing. There wasn't anyone there. I woke up, and I stayed up. I took the kids to school and tried to sleep after the sun came up. Danny and Darla now had separate rooms. Then Darla started talking again to the crawler. I told her she needed to go to bed. It was after 1am. I myself was going to bed after getting off work. I was stood outside her door and I felt something rush at me. I watched as the crawler came from above Darla in the far corner to the bedroom door. I felt the wind and air go cool as I watched the door start to close. I threw up hands as it hissed at me, but it didn't shut the door all the way. I couldn't do anything at that moment, and not recovering well from my surgery, my hands were tied. I began to have strange nightmares, the waking-with-your-heart-pounding-covered-in-sweat type of nightmares, and they were happening five times a week. I came out of our bathroom one night after the kids went to bed and heard from Danny's room, along with my own room, two different growls, very distinct. I immediately went and got our sage and saged the apartment from top to bottom. Afterwards, the air lightened up and Mia went to bed. But the neighbours started fighting. Lots of yelling and things being thrown against the wall. I stepped outside to smoke and the neighbour came out. He realised I'd heard everything and he just kept walking. He didn't return that night. He says he doesn't remember doing any of it. It was like something attached to him took him over. I knocked at the female neighbours to see if her and the boys were okay. She said yes, but she didn't want to talk about it. After this night and saging the entire apartment, I started noticing flies and fruit flies in the house more and more. I tried everything from home remedies to $20 bottles of chemicals. It didn't matter. They grew and grew. I had an intimate dream about Mia, and halfway through, it shifted. 
Mia was in an unnatural position. She smiled an unnaturally wide smile, and her eyes popped open, when normally they're more squinted. And she said, I finally found you. You're now mine. I crawled out of the bed away from her, tripping and falling, going down the hall to the front door. Well, I woke with a start after that. I jumped out of bed and hesitated on waking Mia. But I did, and we stepped outside to smoke, just so I could calm down. The worst waking dream I had was seeing a white figure on my white ceiling. The ceiling in my apartment is what's known as a popcorn ceiling, but the white figure didn't have any texture on it. It was smooth-looking and was whiter than the ceiling itself. I leaned toward it and it leaned towards me. The figure looked like one of those art-drawing figurines, a roundish head, round hands, a rounded body, legs and feet, with no face but painted white. It was around my height, and I had to crawl over Mia when I saw it move towards me. Standing up, I was facing the white figure who was stood on the ceiling. It was mocking my every move until it chased me to the door. I passed the door threshold and I looked back. If a faceless, upside-down figure could stir you down, this was it. It was like it couldn't cross the threshold and was mad about it. Then I blinked and I woke up. My throat felt like I'd been choking and it was hard to swallow. I had that spidey sense I wasn't alone in the room. I peeked over my blankets and looked around, and Danny was stood in the doorway, crying about his own nightmare. We both didn't sleep after that. So far, life is a roller coaster. I got hurt at work in October 2022. I had the surgery in April 23, and currently I'm back down for another issue with my work comp stuff. Mia is working two jobs, while trying to collect two years' worth of child support from Brian. Danny and Darla are in therapy, and they haven't seen Brian since the day of the divorce in 2022. Danny keeps seeing shadows running into our room and down the hall. Darla is scared to use the bathroom at night. Mia and I don't get a lot of sleep. My old dog has her moments, but she's become blind after the walnut house. Olive the cat is stressed about something and keeps cleaning himself. He's becoming very patchy. Mia and I are talking about getting away from McPherson in general this year. The Walnut House and this town have given us enough trouble. As far as Grandpa R, well, he turned to Christianity after Grandpa David died, and he gave me all of his Wiccan books. 
and items they've collected over 25 years. Grandpa David was spread over a family mountain peak in Colorado. Rose quartz were collected from the grounds. There are good parts about being a seer and having sight. For example, when someone passes, I get to say a different goodbye as I get to see them again. My stepfather's parents passed away and I went to the Catholic ceremony and grounds. My grandmother went first and I watched her soul leave the covered casket. The casket literally became dull as she crossed a light in the middle of the church. For a bright, warm summer day, seeing that was amazing. My grandfather went three years later, an army and marine vet. Again, a Catholic ceremony, and my grandmother was there to walk with him. Milo, a cat who passed in 2017, showed me a family and a home I might have with them. I'm hopeful because the house was beautiful. As for Grandpa David, shortly after we returned to the apartment, I dreamt of him on top of the mountain peak looking out at the sunrise. When we spread his ashes, it was so foggy we couldn't get to see more than a few feet ahead. My family made it to that peak and we didn't get to see a thing. He said he was happy because he could see it all again. We sat on the rock looking out on a warm, sunny day. Seeing the good and the bad things have made me stronger. I don't get scared of many things, but the walnut house definitely had me scared for the whole family. And it looks like some of the things may have followed us. Dealing with one thing isn't that hard for someone like me. But having five or six things to deal with, along with kids' energy and being physically unwell, well, I've been overwhelmed a few times. But I have to stay strong. Life isn't looking up just yet. But we are keeping our heads above water. Best wishes, Brandy. Thank you so much, Brandy, for providing episode 8 of season 14. And it's one of our longer episodes, and rightly so. There are very few experiences which feel like you need to severely pay attention to to draw yourself into the world of the experiencer. And this is most certainly one of them. So sincerely, thank you for allowing us into your life for this brief period and I hope things get better, as I'm sure they will. Next week, we unbelievably have already hit our penultimate episode of Season 14, and I cannot wait to share with you what our final two episodes hold. But before we go, I'd like to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you for choosing to spend your time with me right here on your show. Don't forget, if you can't wait until next week for your next instalment, we have over 50 hours worth of Patreon-only content over at patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. And so, until next week's penultimate episode, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door.
and I'll see you next time, right here on The Dark Paranormal. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.